welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Today is the Super Bowl, and that is this evening, and one of the players on the Cincinnati Bengals, um, he grew up in Fort Payne, Alabama. And I have this picture here, this is with his mother. Now, he grew up in the youth group there at First Baptist Church of Fort Payne, Alabama, and that there is Evan McPherson, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, and he is the kicker for the Bengals, and he's a rookie, and he grew up playing soccer, but in Alabama, nobody plays soccer, so he had to start playing football, and then he um, apparently was a good football player at his, uh, his Fort Payne High School, so then he, be, he got... Um, a scholarship to go to the University of Florida. Then he just kept kicking field goals and did really well at Florida. And in the fifth round of last year's NFL draft, the Bengals draft him. Now he's um, kicking field goals and, and helped put the Bengals in the Super Bowl t- tonight. But what's amazing about that, that first picture there was with his mother. His mother's name is Amber. His dad's name Ladon. And they are just faithful folks just like you and I who love their church, just good, good country folks in their Southern Baptist congregation, and they brought their child, and that picture is him at youth group. They went on a choir tour. That was in 2015 up in Washington, D.C. His mother was a chaperone. And I think what's powerful about this, because today's message is going to be about the importance of your marriage in raising your family, having a, a God-centered, Christ-centered marriage, and raising your children in the Lord and church. And tonight's kicker for the Bengals is a perfect illustration. And Evan, what's neat about him, he shares scripture, has a great testimony, a great witness for the Lord. So that, I want to certainly give a great encouragement for that. So children, as you go to Children's Church, you will have the opportunity tonight to see this kicker. Speaking of Children's Church, Ms. Haley Lyons, will you stand up and give us a princess wave? If you are a child here, through about fifth grade, you want to run downstairs as fast as you can. You are going to children's church. All children at this time are going to children's church, and we might pick you up afterwards for that. For those of you that stay upstairs, you want to open up your Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 7, and then in a little bit, we're also going to flip over, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 22. So those are going to be our two scripture passages today. Do you know, I share about Super Bowl. It is amazing. You know, I have four little people at our home, and I grew up in this generation. I'm a Gen Xer. I think that's what I am. And the guy's born in the 70s. Um, and what we were all into sports. So, like, I knew, like, every player on this team, I knew all the stats of football players, and my big sport was baseball back then, and you just followed them. So, like, if a, if a local church was holding someone like Evan McPherson to come speak, I would flock to go see that because I looked up the sports athletes. I grew up in the days of Michael Jordan when he was a star. Nowadays, and now this is a personal survey I've done with children and middle schoolers that I know of, especially in my home, if I, didn't turn, if I don't turn the TV on tonight, nobody in our house would even watch the Super Bowl. Literally, they don't even know there is a Super Bowl. But do you know what they do watch? Do you know who Mr. Beast is? He's a YouTuber. Do you all know what a YouTuber is? A YouTuber is someone that makes silly and goofy videos 
on YouTube. And that's what, if you go talk to a child or a middle schooler, that's all they watch. They literally just watch, they want to watch live sports when you can watch YouTube videos. All right, so anyway, that's a, it's a different world that we live in nowadays. So um, I guess tonight while you're watching the Super Bowl, we'll be watching YouTube videos of just goofy things happening with that. I share all this because what, what, if it, what it is for our lives and our, our families, we want to make sure that our homes are Christ-centered homes. And you are here this morning, and God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sh- share with you a layout for your life. Now what I'm going to tell you, you will not hear Anywhere else in this city, you won't see, hear about it in school. You certainly won't watch it on TV or Netflix or anything like that or on the internet. This is God's plan for humanity. All right, here we go. So, as a parent, as a grandparent, you have to instruct your children about this. We're born, obviously. You should grow up. God's plan, He wants us to grow up in a Christian home with a mother and a father that bring their children to church, that come to a wonderful church such as ours, that have family ministry, that does youth ministry, children's ministry, that teaches young people about the Lord, college ministry. So they have opportunities to learn the Bible stories and also opportunities to go to children's church and get saved and give their lives to Jesus. That is God's plan for a child for them coming coming up and i want to tell you about for me i grew up in a home very much that way folks i went to a church sunday school started at 8 a.m and my parents are morning people and they're early birds my mother still gets up at like five in the morning and they we got the okay sunday school eight o'clock in the morning it was packed my parents had me there at 7 30 listen to this teenagers I was there so early, I went around and turned the lights on at the church. You know, I've just learned, I've been in the church business a long time. Even as a child, I'm just going around flipping lights on down the hallway and just getting used to it. So it's just what we did. I just, it's what you, otherwise I'd be in the dark because I, I was there so early with that. So then you're going to grow up and God's plan for you is to get married. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. If you're single, or you maybe have some children that are single, you as a parent or as a grandparent need to be praying for your child or your grandchildren's future spouse. You need, that should be in your prayer journal. You need to be praying for who they're going to marry. So the Bible's going to tell us, we're going to read the Bible verse here. You're to leave your mother and father's home. You don't stay there the rest of your life. Mom and dad are great. But you don't live with mama the rest of your life. We all love mama. And you need to get her a Valentine's Day card tomorrow. But we don't live there. And the Bible says you are to marry and bind with your husband, your wife. That is one man and one woman. If you're a girl, you marry a boy. If you're a boy, you marry a girl. And you stay married the rest of your life. Marriage is not something, we're going to see here, that is something we should just be going through multiple marriages. God's plan is a covenant marriage that does not break. And then you, you stay married and you have a family. You have your own children. Guess what you do? This is, this is the, how you evangelize future generations. You have these children and you bring them to church. 
And they learn about the Lord. They learn Scripture. They come to Sunday school. They are taught in VBS, D-Now. They come to different opportunities at youth group on Wednesday night. And they learn about the Lord and they get saved. That cycle. And then you pass away. You've stayed married. Your children have grown up. And you go to live with Jesus forever. Folks, that's your life. I just gave you a game plan for life. That plan for life that I just shared, that is what the Bible hopes that we do. Now, obviously, there's brokenness, there's sin along the way, but the great news about the gospel, what we're about to see, even when someone, maybe they, didn't, they got off that path at some point, they fell out of church, they got through a divorce, or they, their kids dropped out of church for whatever reason, at any moment, you can get saved, you can recommit your life to Christ, you can decide this Sunday we're going to church. Today is going to be a new day that our family decides that as for me and my house, we will serve, we will worship, we will obey the Lord. It's just like that. You, anyone can get back on track. But that's the Lord's plan that He wants for us. The Bible tells us, listen to this Bible verse, the first marriage is actually in the book of Genesis. God started marriage. Marriage isn't instituted by the state. It was started by the Lord. And it comes in Genesis 2.24. And it was God performing a marriage on Adam and Eve. And it says here, This is why man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife. And they become one Flesh. The only people on earth who couldn't leave their father or mother were Adam and Eve because they came from the Lord and Eve came from Adam. So they, they didn't have that option. They were a unique situation for them. But they're, they're the exception. And God performed that first marriage. He's the one that gave them away in marriage. You are to come into a one flesh relationship with your spouse. I want to tell you why that one flesh relationship is so important. Um, why, why do you get married? Why do you remain married? Because your marriage, this is why your marriage is so important. This is why you need to be praying for who your spouse or your children for their future spouse. You, that needs to be, I need to be praying for our four children. Sherry Osmond needs to be praying for their children's future spouse who these kids are going to be marrying. Because what happens is the marriage vows that you take, they are actually to tell the truth of the unbreakable covenant of our love in Christ. What that means is, when we are saved, marriage is actually a picture of salvation. When you are saved eternally, Christ saves you. You are redeemed by the power and the blood of Jesus. It's not something, we call this eternal security. I mean, we don't lose our salvation. One day, we don't wake up and go, well, he, the Lord left me. The Holy Spirit blew away. He just he went somewhere else. No, God doesn't do that. God comes into a saving grace that He saves us forever. That's what it means to have, as Ephesians chapter 1 tells us, to have a deposit guaranteeing our salvation. There's a guarantee. There's money down. There's an investment that the Holy Spirit has in us. And it's unbreakable. Our marriage to our spouse is to be that same example. 
Paul illustrated this in Ephesians chapter 5 when he says your marriage is just like Christ in the church. It's, it's a symbol of that. Just because Christ, he also has an unbreakable commitment to the church, which the church is a body of believers, you also have that unbreakable commitment to your spouse. It's not something that comes and goes. One of the great slogans here about this, you might have heard this, if it is to be, it's up to me. Have you ever heard that? But the me in that statement, when applying this in the issue of marriage, the me is God. God makes and God breaks marriage. It is the Lord that ends a marriage. It's not us. Just like our, our salvation, we are saved and sealed to eternity. Death, when we die, then we stand before the Lord, and all of a sudden we're no longer just saved here on earth, we're in the presence of God in heaven. Look here at Romans chapter 7. Look what God's Word says. Since I'm speaking to those who know the law, brothers and sisters, don't you know that the law rules over someone as long as he lives? What is the law? The law is what we would call the Ten Commandments. It's the first five books of the Bible. It's the teachings of Moses. It's all the instructions that God has given in what we call the Mosaic Law, which is uh, expressed most vividly in the Ten Commandments on how we live. For example, a married woman is legally bound to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law regarding the husband. So then, if she is married to another man while her husband is living, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. If then she is married to another man, she is not an adulteress. What these two verses just told us in verses 2 and 3. You're married. Your spouse dies. That releases you at that point from your marriage. So if you are married to someone and you go out and you commit sexual relations with someone else who you're not married to, that is what the Bible calls an adulteress. God's plan for our sexuality is that when we walk down the aisle of a church and we say, I do to our spouse, we want to have been sexually pure. That's what we call abstinence. That is where you save yourself for marriage. That's being a virgin. That's why you wear a white dress. There's an, there's an idea you're coming, presenting yourself clean and pure for your husband. And a husband comes and presents himself in purity to his wife. So when you have not, when you don't, this is why premarital sexual relations is so wrong. Because it breaks this. This is also why people who are married, when they stray sexually outside of their marriage, it's called adultery. The other word that before marriage is called fornication, the Bible calls. The Bible says this is wrong. These aren't God's plans for marriage for this. So what releases you from that bond that you've entered is actually your, with your spouse is death. This teaching, you won't hear anywhere else. Nobody else is going around talking about 
saving yourself for marriage? Where else do, you get, do young girls get purity and commitment rings? Saying, I'm going to make this promise, a promise ring, to remain sexually pure until I'm married. That comes from the Lord. That comes from a teachings in a church such as this. That comes from a strong youth group that we would have. That comes from mom and dad teaching their children about the appropriate sexual ethics. Because I want you all to know something. If you, your children, watch YouTube or watch TV or anything out there in media, they don't even just look at the computer. Everything they teach you is wrong. Basically, if you want to know what the Bible says, you take whatever they say and say, oh, the Bible's opposite. Oh, the God is, God's teaching is the exact opposite. So when you, you need to be aware. Every time you pull out your phone, you turn on the remote and you turn on the TV and you push the button to turn the iPad on. I don't know, they don't have buttons anymore. Right? You turn the iPad on, however they turn on, you know you are about to witness and watch and read about lies. Because they're coming. And God's plan and expectation is different. And it is imperative for us as Christians that we live by this and knowing that we teach it to future generations. God's plan for us is not to have a life of just broken marriages and broken relationships. He's saying it doesn't have to be that way. There's, there's a calling and a commitment to purity. and to, so People can be married their entire life to one spouse. It's hard. And I want to tell you, you, someone's getting married. If you know someone's getting married, they're young in the marriage. You can guarantee there will be potholes and flat tires along the way. And think about a pothole. When you hit a pothole, nobody else knows about it but you. You're driving down the road and you say, whoa, I just tore the car up. What was that? I went to you know, about four years ago, I went on a mission trip with Ben Biddle to Brazil. I thought our potholes were bad here. Their potholes are so bad like if you were on a motorcycle, I would never ride a motorcycle in that, in that country, Brazil. The pothole would swallow the whole motorcycle. Like you literally have to drive around a hole. They told me, and I have a question. You know how sometimes you hear a story if you wonder, is this really true? They said one time a pothole got so big, a car fell in it, and the other cars were driving over it. So like it helped build the road. Like the car was in the pothole, and you just kept on going, and then you kept on... I guess that's how they fill their potholes down there. But I share that. And that's a true story. And I don't know if that's one of those things you just wonder, does that really happen? Um, but in your marriage, you will hit bumps. And all of a sudden, that's a time where you're going to have to say, okay, do I throw in the towel? Do I give up? Or am I going to rely on that commitment that is based on the Bible? Because if, if you're relying upon anything else, it won't last. Anything culture teaches you, or even in many ways your friends or family might teach you, your marriage, the strength of it, is going to be found in God's Word, and that commitment, and the promise. Because there's going to be times you don't feel like you want to be married. You're not very happy. You're not pleased whatsoever. But your commitment is because of the Lord. Verse 4, Therefore, my brothers and sisters... You also were put to death in relation to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, 
You belong to Him and were raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. That's what the Lord is telling us. Our lives are to bear fruit. That means we, God brings us together in your spouse. You and your husband or you and your wife, y'all's goal together is to serve the Lord. You wake up and say, we're a family. God, how do you want to use us? Who can we minister to? Who can I encourage and bless today? If you're here today and your husband or wife refuses to come to church, you need to be praying for them. You'd be coming to this altar and say, my husband, my wife is not here. She needs to make a rededication. He needs to get saved. He needs to be delivered from selfishness. Because God's plan is for this couples to come and bear fruit together. It says there, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused through the law were working in us to bear fruit for death. So there's two types of fruit there. There's fruit for life and there's fruit for death. Meaning everything we do, we're either, we're either strengthening our faith or we're, we're destroying it. Don't miss what I just said. Everything you do, everything you watch, when everything you see on your phone, you're either strengthening your faith or you're destroying it. Fruit for life versus fruit for death. Everything in your marriage. So we want to be people in verse 4 who are bearing fruit for God. But verse 6 says, But now we've been released from the law, since you have died to what held us, so that we may serve in the newness of spirit and not in the old letter of the law. God's plan for us is to serve Him, not because of the law, but because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. God has taken our lives and He says, you, you couple are going to be serving me in a Christian, Christ-centered way. And you are looking for opportunities to bear fruit for Jesus. When you make that promise, when you were married, till death do us part, that is what God tells us. In fact, Mark 10.9 says, Jesus told us, Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Meaning, we aren't to be looking for exits in our, lot, in our marriage or family. It's not a life of just going along saying, How can I get out of this? How can I get the most from the divorce? How can I look to someone else? God is saying, I've brought y'all together. God instituted marriage. Marriage is something you cultivate and you protect. And the great thing about the Lord, as long as God is alive, and the Lord is alive, God is not dead. God is alive and well today. As long as the Lord is alive, it is not too late. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how bad it gets, we have a great God that can save any marriage. You have to believe that. You have to believe that by faith. No matter how, how bad your home life is, you say, Lord, I know you are in the resurrection, you are in the restoration business. You restore broken relationships, broken marriages, broken children, lost grandchildren. Lord, bring them home. Look here, last scripture we're going to see here. Matthew chapter 22. Look what God's Word says. Matthew 22, verse 23. Jesus is asked a question by these people called the Sadducees. 
These are people who go around asking questions such as this. Have you ever met someone that says, can God create a stone that's too heavy for him to lift? Now think about that. If he can't create that stone, then he doesn't have the power to create anything he wants. And if the stone is too heavy for him to lift, then he's not all-powerful. So you're in this paradox here, what will God do? And you can just go around in circles talking to people about questions like that. Jesus meets these people who would go around and ask these type of questions. Have you ever met anybody who asks these type of questions? And it's just, it, you realize we're not, we're not getting, we're not going to get anywhere. I'm sad to say when I was in college, I'm afraid I was one of these guys. I repented of that. I, I remember I'm um, going to college Bible study, sitting here asking these questions, but then I, I quit doing that. Well, I realized girls weren't impressed. <clears throat> That's why I got married after college. <laughs> That's a true story. Verse 23 here, look what, look what God's Word says. The same day, some Sadducees, and these folks here, asked these type of questions. They did not believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in the afterlife. The same day, some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection. They came up to him and they questioned him. These are probably single guys. Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother is to marry his wife and raise up offspring for her brother. Now what he's talking about there, that is at Deuteronomy chapter 25. We studied this in our Wednesday night Deuteronomy study. In Deuteronomy... What it says is, remember, they did not have social welfare. There wasn't opportunities for safety nets if you, if you were a widow. So if you were a young lady and your spouse, your husband dies, you were to marry his brother with the purpose so that you could have children with him. And that the purpose was so that you didn't have just... Because back then they would go out to war. You would have a lot of men who would die and it would create that family's name. That way they could still continue to have children. So that was the meaning. We don't practice this today, so you don't have to marry your brother or your brother-in-law in case, um, in case your husband dies. But that's what they did back in Deuteronomy chapter 25. So here comes this goofy question. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first got married and died. Having no offspring, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second, and also to the third, and so all the seven. Last of all, the woman died. So understand what happened. This lady, she got married, and her first husband died. She married his brother. He died. Second one, third one died. We just keep burning through these men. I mean, you know, if you know if you're number seven, if you're six or seven, you're about to die if you marry that woman, because the first Six have already died. And here we're going to see a lucky number seven. All these men do is die. So they get married and the next week they die. They're just burning through them. And there's no children at all. So you see how this is just, this is, the world doesn't work this way. That's just not how folks get married. That's not how lives are. You don't burn through marriages this fast, through, go through men this, this quick. And then in verse 28, in the resurrection, then, whose wife will she be of the seven? For they all had married her. I mean, she went through every brother. And we had, when she gets, because these folks are asking this goofy question, because they don't even believe in the resurrection. They're saying, Jesus, 
will she be married in heaven to all seven men? How do you explain that one? Like, what they're doing is they're using the Bible, they think, to try to trick Jesus. And what the purpose of that passage in Deuteronomy 25, because if the Israelite men went out to battle, and a lot of them died, and these women weren't allowed to remarry, they, the, the, the population would just dwindle away. So God knew, okay, we've got to help repopulate these folks. They need to marry their brothers so their family name can continue, and we, there's still some Israelites here. So Jesus answers them in verse 29. You are mistaken, because you don't know the Scriptures or the power of God. I tell you, that's what the Lord speaks to us. When we are mistaken, it's for, for two things in our life. We don't know the Bible. That's what Jesus pointed. He looks at these foolish people and says, y'all don't even know the Bible. And knowing that, knowing do you not know the Bible, you don't even know the power of God because y'all don't even believe in the resurrection. And I'll only tell you, that applies in our life. Jesus speaks to you and I this morning and says, you want to know the Lord? You need to know your Bible. You need to know what God speaks about marriage. God says about children, about family. You need to know these things. And then you need to experience the power of God in your life. The Lord is a wonderful, powerful God. He answers prayer. He heals people. He restores marriages. He saves children. He takes broken families, and He puts them back together. Now, we can make excuses for any and every reason why it can't happen in my life, or we can just believe God. Because the Bible says here, you need to experience the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. What that means? In heaven, we are not married. In heaven, we are similar to angels. We, marriage is something we only experience while here on earth. We, if you're in the wedding business, you won't have a business in heaven. There's no marriage business in heaven. We are married literally to Christ. That's what Ephesians 5 talks about, how we are in union like Christ in the church. We All relationships have been restored. All relationships are perfect. There are not broken relationships. There isn't hatred all around us. And the Bible's telling us here that we need to make sure we live our lives of one, not not focusing on things such as uh, what's this going to be like. He's saying, you just trust me. When you get to heaven, your relationships are going to be perfect. You're going to be similar to the angels. Now concerning verse 31, the resurrection of the dead. Haven't you read what was spoken to you by God? Now, this is the power of God we're about to see. This is a quote from Exodus chapter 3. I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of, Aj of Jacob. Now, this is in Exodus chapter 3. These men are all dead. They all died. Jacob died 400 years before the book of Exodus started. And Isaac and Abraham, they had been dead before that. So these men had been dead four, five, six hundred years by now. And look what the Bible says. He, meaning God, is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Meaning, you are thinking these men are dead. Abraham, 
Isaac and Jacob. But they're not, get, they're not dead. He's still their God. Meaning, the great point about the Lord, we think of life. When the Lord looks at all of creation, He doesn't just see those who are alive. Folks, He knows the dead. Because He is a God of resurrection. There is an afterlife. There is a soul. There is a resurrection for us when we pass away. It says we become like the angels. So God doesn't just see us who are alive. He sees those that once were alive, and now they're alive in heaven with the Lord. And Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what they're saying is, y'all think he's dead. Those men aren't dead. They're right up here in heaven with me. They're as live and well. That's what Jesus was telling these Sadducees. That's the power of the Lord. We, when we are saved, we are saved eternally. That's what's so powerful about salvation. Death has lost its grip on us. That's why for a, a funeral, for a believer, yes, we're sad they're not with us, but we take assurance. We take hope that we know they're in heaven. In fact, this morning after 8.45, sir, so I was talking to a gentleman out in the lobby right there, and he was telling me he's looking forward to going to heaven. He's ready to go. Whenever the Lord calls him home, he's ready. He's saved. He's been born again. He has assurance of salvation. He's not fearful and frightful of death and the bible teaches us that that is our god the god of the dead and the god of the living and when the crowds heard this they were astonished at his teachings they could not believe that they were listening to jesus basically outwit the pharisees who were trying to trap them on the issue of silly marriages in heaven our relationships in heaven are perfect. Revelation 21.4 tells us, you know, we live here on earth, and we live among pain and brokenness, but we are looking forward to that day, that that will be gone. There will be no place for that anymore. There's no sorrow, pain, or sadness. The Bible tells us in Revelation 21.4, He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Grief crying and pain do you know anybody in pain you know i'm a fan of rick warren he's the pastor out of saddleback church he wrote that great book the purpose driven life and he mentors pastors and writes little articles out there he said pastor i want you to know as long as you preach to people in pain you will always have an audience because there's always people hurting all sorts of types of pain and today's pain we're talking about is relationship and marriage pain. Next week we'll have a new type of pain. Because there's, this is what the result of a sinful, fallen world. And the Bible's telling us there's no more grief. No more crying. And I want to tell you something about grief. Many times when you meet someone and they tell you they're depressed, the, the word depression or depressed, can actually be disguised for grief. Grief comes many times when we have unrepentant sin in our life. In fact, Psalm 32 tells us this. It says our bones waste away. We grieve because we don't confess our sins. 
And what happens? Because we're harboring sin in our life, we then allow grief to set in, and then it manifests itself in depression because we're down in the dumps and we're wondering what's wrong. And I tell you what's wrong. We have sin in our life. The Bible's telling us when you confess your sins, He is faithful and just, and He will forgive us and cleanse us of all of unrighteousness. There's no reason for us to be carrying through life unforgiven sin, unconfessed sin, and grief. The Bible's telling you. Now, obviously, if someone dies, there's a sense of mourning. There's a sense of loss. We grieve when we lose someone close to us. But folks, that should not be our identity. The Bible's telling us the power of God can forgive and heal us of that. And we no longer are bound by grief, crying, and pain because these previous things, look at this, have passed away. They're gone. They've moved on. That is your old life. I'm here this morning encouraging you. Exits are eternal. And we look at our lives, and it's not so much how you come onto the stage, but it's how you leave. And this morning, you need to be able to say, do I know the Lord? If I exited this life, have I been faithful as a husband? Have I been faithful in teaching my children and my grandchildren, maybe my great-grandchildren about the Lord? God, have I been committed to you, to your local church, worshiping eagerly every Sunday, coming in expectation for you to move? Have I been like the McPherson family, teaching my children about you at their local Southern Baptist Church in Fort Payne, Alabama, having no clue that little soccer player would one day, seven years later, be kicking field goals in the Super Bowl and be a great witness for the Lord. That young man, we can literally see. And I tell you, I was researching that this week. I went on First Baptist Fort Payne, Alabama's Facebook page Little Bless our heart, little church is making videos of everybody waving to Evan, saying, good luck when you go to the Super Bowl. I mean, they're just cheering him on in the church. Because they you know he's just a little, little boy coming up through the church, and now he's a kicker because they couldn't play soccer in Alabama. Yeah, I say that. Actually, University of Alabama doesn't have a soccer team. Kentucky does. <clears throat> With that. That's how much football is in love in deep south. For us, I share about exits being eternal. The Lord is speaking to us. And He's saying, you need to be careful how if you're considering this morning maybe a divorce, you're considering giving up on someone, or you have broken relationships, you need to mend those. You don't want to appear before the Lord with a life of broken friendships, broken marriages, broken relationships. God is saying, that does not have to be you. He gives us the power to restore those. That's why Jesus says, you Sadducees, you don't know the Scriptures, and you don't know the power of God. If your marriage and your family and your home is not where it needs to be this morning, your prayer during our invitation, and Beatrice, I want to invite you in the band. Y'all come, up, y'all come on up. We're about to have our invitation. This invitation is for you to say, God, 
I want your power to restore my family, my home, my marriage. We're going to respond to the Lord. God is calling you. This is a wonderful church for you to get saved at, for you to raise your family at, for you to be a member at. Just like Evan McPherson was a member of a wonderful church, Broadway needs to be your church home as well. We're going to all stand together. Our band's going to lead us in a time of response. If you want to get saved, if you want to come to the altar and get right with the Lord, if you want to join this church, Zach's going to be standing right here. I stand right now. We want you to respond to Jesus.